y'all enjoyed this series? And so, uh, you know, we've been talking about uniqueness and how unique is good, and but unique can also be bad. How many know some people and you say, well, they're unique? <laughs> and, and you're not talking about them in a good way. <laughs> they're, they're unique. And, uh, and then there's some people you say, well, they're unique. They're just, there's something different about them. There's a, a presence about them. And, and you say it in a good way. And that, so that word can be used in a, in a couple different ways and, and, and can be used in a special sense. And so we, we've been talking about how the church should be unique and should be set apart and how we as Christians should be unique and set apart, but in a, in a good way. But a lot of the times the world uh, gives us a perception of, of a bad thing. And a lot of times people misperceive people because they're different and because people don't understand what is different about them. And, and we see things that are different in life, and it's because we don't understand them, we think they're bad, and we label them, and we put bad marks on them. And so we've been, we've, we, the first week we talked about the Holy Spirit, last week we talked about praise and worship, and uh, then the devil attacks our computer today, isn't that just how that works? And then, um, and that's a Mac. Macs don't go bad. And uh, I had to be the devil. <laughs> and so we've been studying out of the book of Acts. So if you'll turn with me to Acts 2, we're going to continue with our, our scripture that's been the theme throughout, throughout these past three weeks. And um, we see here that the Jesus has come to the earth and, and uh, he's died on the cross and he's been resurrected and He's hung around for 40 days after his resurrection and, and uh, given the disciples instructions. Then he's ascended, and the, the disciples have gone, and they've waited in the upper room. And the Holy Spirit has come, and they're coming down. And it's the birth of what we know today as the modern-day church. And so we look at Acts 2, 12 through 16, and the crowd there is amazed and perplexed. And they ask one another, what does this mean? What is happening? We don't understand. And so we're going to say this is a bad thing. These guys are drunk. These guys, something's going wrong with these guys. And, and they've had too much wine. Then Peter stood up with the eleven and raised his voice and addressed the crowd and said, Fellow Jews and all you who live in Jerusalem, all you that live in Angleton, all you that live in Danbury, all you that live in Lake Jackson, all you that live in Brazoria, all you that live in Clutes, he said, let me explain something to you. Listen carefully to what I say. These people are not drunk as you suppose. Don't label them. Don't put a mark on them because you don't understand them. It's only 9 in the morning. This is that which was spoken by the prophet Joel. In other words, this is that that you've studied about all your life as good Jews. This is that that you've read about. This is that that you've been looking for. This is that unique thing that you've been waiting to manifest on the earth that your prophet Joel spoke about. But because it comes in a way that you didn't expect to see it, it comes in a way that you didn't expect it to come, you're labeling it. And you're calling it unique in a bad way. 
You know, last week we talked about praise and worship. And, you know, if, if, if you act crazy on Saturday, you're called a fan. But you act crazy on a Sunday morning and they call you a fanatic. Isn't that right? Not a fan in the attic, Bobby, a fanatic. And <laughs> happy birthday, by the way. Bobby's birthday yesterday. Anybody else have birthdays yesterday? Roderick. We're, he ain't in here. That's why I didn't call his name. Don't even tell him happy birthday. He ain't here to hear it. <laughs> and so the crowd doesn't understand, and they don't realize what's going on. And, and, and so today I want to cover what the Bible says about healing. And, uh, you know, a lot of people will say, There's two major errors people have, in my opinion, when it comes to healing and when it comes to these kind of things in the the Bible. And and there's what we call the confessionist approach. It's the name it and claim it, the blab it and grab it crowd, who who believes that anything you speak, you can have. And and the deal is that's not bad, but the pendulum swings a little too far, and uh, you can't just say Lamborghini. Lamborghini, Porsche, just doesn't work like that. It's, it's really not biblical. It's, it's, a, it's a misconception, and if you're sick, it's your fault. There's that crowd that says, if you're sick, it, you've done something wrong, and, and that's just not the, that's not the truth. That's not what the Bible says. And then there's the sensationist approach where people, that, people actually believe that miracles did happen in the biblical today. They did happen, but that when the last apostle died, that miracles ceased, and they quit happening. And and that is the biggest error, I think, of all, because I've seen too many miracles in my life, and and I know that Jesus still performs them every day. And and so um, I think it's wrong to say that miracles have ceased to happen because they have not. And so today I want to look at what the Bible actually says what the Bible says about miracles, and, and, and I want to answer some of those questions like, well, Pastor, how come so-and-so didn't get healed, or, or, or how come he hasn't answered this prayer, or how come this hasn't happened, and I want to show you that stuff right in the Word of God today. Is that okay? Amen. All right. And so let's start off today with probably the, the clearest place in the whole Word of God when, when it comes to healing and this is James, the book of James, James 5, 13 through 15. It says, is anyone among you in trouble? Let them pray. Is anyone happy? Let them sing songs of praise. Is anyone among you sick? Let them call the elders of the church to pray over them and then anoint them with oil. We're going to do this today. Now, you've got to ask for the oil. I'm just going to. And we're, we're not one of those guys, we're not just going to throw it on you <laughs> and douse you with it, you know. I'm going to give you one little dab of oil, a dab of do you, and uh, one little dab of oil. And, and so is there something special about, about the oil? No, it's just, it's just a sign. It's just, it's just an obedience thing. It just, it's what it represents. It's just an, an act of obedience. And so we use oil, but you have to ask us if you want to be prayed for with oil. We're, we're not just going to pour pour stuff on your head right away. I had a friend uh, in Nederland, we were doing an ordination service, and, and we had a couple guys that I worked with for years that were getting 
ordained, and you know, when you're getting ordained and you're called to ministry, it's just this big deal, and so we had this one guy, he'd been waiting for years to get ordained, and he's all excited about it, him and his wife, and he just talking about how great it's going to be, and he's like, Pastor Ryan, you got everything ready, the oil ready and all that, and I said, oh, I got it all ready for you, Neil, and uh, so I made this box up, and I put uh, Neil's anointing package on it, and uh, I left it on his desk, wrapped up, and he unwrapped it, took the top off, he's like, man, Pastor Ryan's never done this for anybody, he's made me this anointing box with ready for my anointing service, and he opens up in a big old tub of Crisco. I said, you need, you need, you need extra, and something's really going to stick with you. <laughs> and, and, and so, you know, call on that, and then it says, let them call on the elders, let them anoint them with oil in the name of the Lord. And, and the prayer offered in faith will make the sick person well. The prayer offered in faith will make the sick person well. And I, we're going we're gonna to talk about that word faith today because that's very important when it comes to the healing process. It says the Lord will raise them up, and if they have sinned, they will be forgiven. Therefore, confess your sins to each other and pray for each other so that you might be healed. See, there's something about confessing your sins and healing that goes together also. And so confess your sins to one another. So that you can be healed. And this word healing, actually, the, 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 the definition, if you, you look up where this word healing is used, it actually means inner healing, deep healing within you. And, and so God not only wants to heal you physically, he wants to do something in you. He wants to change something that's in you. And then it says the prayer of a righteous person is powerful and effective. Is that you? You're powerful, you're effective, you're righteous. God has made you righteous. No matter what is going on in your day or life, he has made you righteous. So we're talking about some inner healing today also, in that our faith is a journey. It's not something that's instant. It's not like oatmeal. You pour hot water in it, it just happens. Faith is a journey. And so let's go on this journey together today. In dissecting this passage, I get three observations. I want to share them with you today. First is God still heals people. God still heals people. Uh, I am a miracle. You're looking at one big old baby that was born from a lady who was told she could have no children. And my mom, before she even knew Jesus in a direct and a, a, a really a personal way, had been to doctor after doctor after doctor, and they said, Miss Olivier, you will never have children. And if you ever do get pregnant, it'll be a tubal pregnancy or something like that. It's, it's never going to take. It's never going to happen. And so my mom got on her knees, not even knowing really who Jesus was, and, and began to pray and said, and said, God, if you're real and you give me a baby, I'll give him back to you. And I have a sister too. Because God steals, still heals people. Hebrews 13.8 says this. Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. He has not changed. Now if I were Jesus, which I'm not, I would go straight. If 
if I could just do anything I wanted, I'd drive straight to Texas Children right now, and I'd just empty them. It'd be, that's how I think. I'm thinking, man, if I just, if I could get that shadow like Peter going on, I'd just walk by the rooms, and they'd be emptying behind me. I give him all the credit, all the glory, and all the due. And, and sometimes I think, God, why doesn't it work like that? Well, Isaiah 55, hey, you ever thought that? Why doesn't it work that way? And it says, for my thoughts are not your thoughts. And my ways are not your ways, declares the Lord. Thank God his ways aren't my ways. We'd be in trouble. You know, I, I think when we get to heaven, have you ever dreamed about heaven? Ever thought about heaven, what it's going to sound like, what it's going to look like. And everybody has this perception, we're going to get to heaven, and it's going to be the hallelujah chorus is going to be playing. It's going to be hallelujah. Oh, are we worship you, Father. We just, we lay down at your feet. Worthy, worthy, worthy is the Lamb. Worthy is the Lamb. And we just have all these preconceived ideas of what heaven's going to look like. But I, I really think, and you can quote me one day when you get there, and you can say, that crazy pastor was right. I think there's going to be a lot of people get to heaven, and they're like, oh, oh, God, you are smarter than me. Oh, that's why that happened. There's going to be like, oh, uh-huh, yeah, mm, yeah. Wow, I'd have never thought. But but we tend to want to question God, and we want to do it our way and with our thoughts and our patterns. And, and the deal is when we do it our way, we no longer put God in control. And, and we're going to get to heaven one day, and we're going to go, oh, that's why that happened like that. Oh, that's why that happened like that. Huh. Man, God is good. And then they can see a little Pentecostal jig take off. <laughs> Look what the Lord has done. <laughs> That's not in the Bible, but I'm telling you, it, it's going to be, you're going you're gonna to see what I'm talking about one day. There are things we just can't understand about our, our Father because His ways are so much better than our ways. In fact, Hebrews 11, 39 through 40 says this. It says, it says, all these people earned a good reputation because of their faith. Yet none of them received all that God had promised. What? What? They, they had a good reputation because of their faith. They were good Christians. They did everything right. Yet none of them received all that God had promised. For God had something better for you in mind. Because His ways aren't our ways. Some of you got little narrow roads you want to go down. He's got a highway paved for you. And the deal is what we think is, is a blessing. God's saying, if you just knew, if you just had a glimpse, if you just had an idea of how good I really am. Isaiah 57 says this, and I use this scripture a lot when people are grieving and they've lost someone they love. It says, good people pass away. Good people pass away. The godly often die before their time. You know anybody godly that died before what we thought was their time? 
in my mind, it wasn't their time, but in God's mind, it was. And, and so the, the, the godly often die behind before their time, and no one seems to understand that God is protecting them, the word of God says, from the evil to come. God has such great plans for me. He'll say, you know what? It's my friend down there right now. We don't understand what God's doing. He said, I'm going to take him right now because something's coming his way, and I want him to have faith. Boom. Like an instant. Because, because we got to get to that last part because he had something better for me. I love where it says to live is Christ and to die is gain. We have to have a real perspective that, it, that eternity is so much longer considering it's forever compared to what was this little poof that is our life here on earth. And so his ways are greater than our ways. The deal is you have to come to a place in your life where you don't mind trusting God. That no matter what happens, no matter what's going on, no matter what you think has failed in your life, don't blame God. Just trust Him. And it's a hard place to get in your faith journey where you can just trust Him no matter what's happening in your life. If you put your place in, put yourself in the place of God, it'll drive you crazy. Absolutely crazy. I see people every day and, and well, why does God do this? And why does He do that? And why is He this way? And, and they're literally going crazy questioning God. Because we cannot perceive what He's thinking. We cannot perceive what He's doing. And there comes a point in our life where we just have to trust because there's no way we can understand what's going on. We have to realize that no matter what, God heals either way. Whether we get our healing here or we get it when we go to heaven. He heals either, either way. It, it, it's the same. In fact, 2 Timothy 4.18 says, The Lord will rescue me from every evil attack and will bring me safely to his heavenly kingdom. To him be glory forever and ever. Amen. I ask God, well, is it rescue me or bring me? Is it rescue me or bring me? And God says, it's both. He wants to rescue you and he wants to take you somewhere. It's, it's, it's both. That's why James goes in this dialogue that we were just in between healing and between sin. See, because it's not just that God doesn't want to heal you. It's he's not really concerned with this. He's more concerned with what's in this and, and what's going on. In, he's more concerned what's going on on the inside of you than the outside of you. See, my body is not who I am. This is not me. This is just a shell. This is not me. My body is not who I am. I'm telling you, in the spirit, I'm like Thor. I'm a Greek god in my own mind. <laughs> but this body is not who you are. It doesn't define who you are. So many people let, let, let what's going on on the outside define who they are, and they let it eat them up, and all they, they get ever consumed in in this instead of what's in this. And see, we got to realize that God is more concerned about my soul. Matthew 10, 28 says it like this. Do not be afraid of those who kill the body, 
but cannot kill the soul. Rather be afraid of the one who can destroy both your soul and your body in hell. In Luke 10.20, Jesus says this, However, do not rejoice. He's talking to his disciples here. They were all excited because they, they cast out some devils and the spirits had to obey them. And they're all excited. And Jesus says this to them. However, do not rejoice that the spirits submit to you, but rejoice that your names are written in heaven. More importantly than spirits submitting to you, more importantly than your body being healed, rejoice because of where your eternity is. Rejoice because of where you're headed. Rejoice because he is a good God and he has great plans that you can't even fathom. It says we can't even fathom his intentions in the word of God. That means we can't even get a little bit of a glimpse of what he thinks. We, we don't even have a minute perception of who he really is. We have to realize God's concerned with happening with what's happening in you. The real goal in all of this is God wants me to grow in faith. There's a faith journey that He wants you to take. He wants you to grow in your faith journey. And this journey can drive you crazy if you let it. I'm telling you, a faith journey can drive you crazy. It, it can make you wonder. It can make you question. But at the end of the day, God just wants to know that you trust. God just wants to know that no matter what, you'll worship him. Job, which Josh talked about today, went through a faith journey. All of his children died. Everything he had, he lost. But he never gave up. He kept putting God first. His wife even said, why don't you curse God and die? That's how bad it was. Curse God and die. Be better than what you're going through. You ever had a bad day where you just felt like, I just want to lay down and end it all. But you, you, you got to get to the point where no matter what's going on, we trust Him. God is at work through you even in you, even though you can't see anything happen. The little thing they're going to put, put on the screen where it says, us. This is what we are. We're concerned about what's happening to us. We're always worried about us. Tell me, what happens if I die from cancer? What happens if this happens to me? What, we're concerned about what happens to us, but when God is really just concerned about what is happening to us. And actually, they got that wrong. It's what's happening in us. They had a typo in the soundboard. <laughs> it's what's happening in us is what he's concerned about. While things you prayed for don't happen, God can still be doing a deep work inside of you. I'm telling you, a faith journey is a deep work. It's a deep thing. When you don't understand, but you just have to trust, something deep happens inside of you. I'm telling you, we're going through everything that we went through with Ethan. It was a faith journey that we were taking. And you're asking, you know, if it was up to me, his bones would have just popped right back in the skin. The skin would have been instantly healed. It would have looked like a brand new arm. Everything would have been good. He wouldn't have those five million scars he's got from here to here. It would have been all an instant thing. There wouldn't have been 12 surgeries. There wouldn't have had to have been one surgery if he'd have done it my way. But God said, Ryan, 
I gotta take you on a faith trip. And, and you know, if he answered all of my prayers instantly, would I really need him? Would you really need God if he just you could just say it and it just happened? You could just blab it and grab it. Would we really run to him and pray like we pray? Would we really spend the time we we spend with him, which he longs for? When do we pray the most in our lives? When everything's going right? Or when everything's going wrong? It's when everything's going right. Sometimes things happen and God God, God, God knows they're going to happen. He knows, but he also knows that it's going to change and improve because of that. He, he also knows that there's something growing and happening. Because while we're concerned with this, he's, he's concerned with what's to come. In fact, the very next verse in James that we've been reading, the very nice next verse in verse 17, it says, Elijah was a human being. James says this, Elijah was a human being, even as we all are. And he prayed earnestly that it would not rain. And it did not rain on the land for three and a half years. And he prayed, and the heavens gave rain, and the earth produced its crop. In two sentences, James retells a story that you you really have to have a few more details on to understand, because he just abbreviates it here. He, he's talking about Elijah. He's talking about all this stuff that goes on along with this faith journey and along with healing and sin and, and everything else. He, he includes this in the passage. But we really need to go, we, we, need, we need to take these two verses and go to where they originally came from to, to get a deeper perception of, of what the journey of faith really looked like. And in 1 Kings 17.1 in the Old Testament where this story actually happens, it says, now, Elijah the Tishbite, who was from Tishbe in Gilead, said to Ahab, As the Lord, the God of Israel, lives whom I serve, there will neither be dew nor rain in the next few years except at my word. Now, the deal is God had came to Elijah and told him that if, if it would quit raining, that Ahab would, would turn away from his wicked ways. If it would quit raining, that Ahab would would get right. And so Elijah goes to Ahab with this word and says, It will not rain until I speak my word. And, And the deal was, his word was the word of the Lord. Sometimes faith begins with a word from God. Your faith has to begin with a word from God. You can't grow in your faith journey without something inside of you that God has spoken to you in your life. Sometimes you have to have a word in order to grow, in order to move in your faith. You need a word from God. Romans 10, 17 says that so faith comes by hearing and hearing from the what? The word of God. You've got to have a word of God in your life. And that's why I've encouraged you this year to read your Bible every single day with us, to keep up with your one-year Bible, because you need constantly need a word in the day and the age that we live in. You better have a word. You better speak a word over your family. Because I'm telling you what, faith for what you're going through begins with a word. We've been talking about it for four months now, that prayer, prayer equals prophecy, which determines your future. 
you've got to be speaking words over your life and prophesying over your own life. And whatever you're speaking over your life is what your future is going to look like. John 6, 63, it says, The words I have spoken to you, they are spirit and they are life. There's that word again, spirit, pneumos. They are wind. The words I have spoken to you, they are wind. You can't see them. You can't see these things. You, you can't see what's happening. But, but all of a sudden, wind, you know, wind's just one of those things. You just can't see it. All of a sudden, you get a gust and it blows it away. All of a sudden, you're holding an umbr- umbrella and it's upside down and inside out. Next thing you know, you're... You're, you're driving along and a telephone pole or a tree keeps falling in front of you because there's a, a wind that can move you. There's wind that can change you. There's wind that can change your course and alter where you're driving. You're going down one road and all of a sudden the wind put an oak tree right there and God says turn left. Or, or the wind blew something else, a billboard down beside your car and, or hit your car and God said I don't want you to drive right now I just want you to be still and, and wind moves and it can knock you over instantly and, and so the words I've spoken to you are wind and life they can change you they can move you they can direct you that's what the word of God does Hebrews 4.12 it says for the word of God is living and active sharper than any double-edged sword. It penetrates even to dividing souls and spirits. Joints and marrow. It judges the thoughts and the attitudes of the heart. The Word of God, sharper than any two-edged sword, can divide soul and spirit. You know what that's telling you? It can divide, it can divide what your worldly man wants to do and what you actually it, it, can, it can change the way you think when you're thinking, well, you know, it's God's fault I'm, I'm where I'm at today. No, the Word of God will change that and give you a different perception of who He is and what He actually wants to do in your life. It's the sword that cuts all the bad stuff that you're dealing with out of your life. It's the sword that changes everything. It's that precision scalpel that the doctor uses, and it can cut cancer out of your life. It can cut all the problems you're dealing with in your life. It can take lupus out of your life. It can do anything else because it's prophecy. It's your future. It's what you speak into yourself. And it is the Word of God that cannot come back void. It cannot rot. It penetrates the most deepest parts of your heart and your life. To really understand, let's look back at the Elijah story. In verse 43, it says, Elijah's sitting there with his servant, and it's rained now for three and a half years. It hasn't rained for three and a half years, I'm sorry. It hasn't rained for three and a half years, and the drought's there, and he told Ahab in three and a half years it'll rain. You know, when you tell somebody something, you want to keep your word. And... Uh, He's like, Ahab is just really mad at me. It's been three and a half years to the day and there ain't a cloud in sight. God's given you a promise and it's been, it's been years and you're like, God, there ain't a cloud in sight. Is it going to happen? Is it really 
Is it really going to happen? And so Elijah sends his servant, says, go look toward the sea. And his servant says, there's nothing there. He comes back, says, nothing there. Six more times he sends him. And he comes back and he says, nothing. Clearest, bluest guys I've ever seen. No clouds, no nothing. And Elijah says two, two key words that are, that are the foundation of a faith journey. He said, go back. And he goes back a seventh time. And he says, see a cloud. Man, it's a poodle. <laughs> it, it's, it's the size of a man's hand. And Elijah said, that's all but the key word here, go back. I want you to get a, get a glimpse of this. Elijah, the man of God, the one who ceased rain for three and a half years. This happened to go back. Sometimes some things we've asked for in our life, we wonder, why haven't they happened? God's saying, go back. There's some things and some areas in your life and some words that you've spoken over your life and some things you say, God, they just haven't happened. Today, I'm telling you, Go back. Little Macy, who's in a wheelchair here every Sunday morning, they're gone today. They're on a little vacay. But, but she's here every Sunday morning. I've been praying for her for years. And, and miracles don't always happen instantly. She couldn't never move her legs. Doctors told her she'd be dead by 12. I've been praying for her since then. She's 17 or 18 now. Uh, still alive, still good. She can move her legs today. They say she's completely blind. Well, she's wearing glasses now. And it hasn't happened overnight. But I, I can tell you this much. When I get home to, uh, tonight, I'll go to sleep. And in the morning when I wake up and, and I'm having my prayer time, I'm going to go back again. I, I'm just going to keep going back. And when I pray for Ethan's arm and in and the full movement that the doctor said he'd never have, but he has today, it's because me and his mama kept going back. There, there's a point in your life where you have to say, you know what, I don't, I don't see no clouds in the sky today. I don't see no hopes of rain. I'm just going to go back. Keep praying, keep going until you see what you need to see. And I love this. It continues with this. The seventh time the servant reported, clouds small as a man's hand is rising from the sea. So Elijah said, go tell Ahab, hitch up your chariot and go down before the rain stops. In other words, Ahab, get out of the way because there's a flood coming. You better get your chariot out of the way. You better move to higher ground because the rain is coming. All he needed was a cloud. Sometimes we look for these big instant miracles all at one time. Elijah said, I don't need a big end. I know who my God is. All I need to see, even if it's that big around, all I need to see is a cloud. Even if it's big as a man's hand, all I need is that little glimpse of I know that God is going to pull through for me because he was on a horse. Faith, number two, faith continues regardless of what I see. Second Corinthians says, for we walk by faith and not by sight. We say, well, pastor, what we do in the meantime? Well, I want to tell you this. Don't throw away your confidence. Hebrews 10.35 says, So don't throw away this confident trust in the Lord. 
Remember the great reward it brings you. Patience, endurance. I hate these two words. Patient endurance. Patient endurance. Is that really what God just told me? Patient endurance is what you need now. So that you will continue to do God's will. So that you'll continue to seek me. So that you'll continue to to look towards my face. So that you'll continue to praise me. And then you will receive all he has promised. For in just a little while, now i got bad news for you. This is God's little while. In just a little while, in a day to God's like a thousand years. And a thousand years are like a day. In just a little while, we, we, we won't put time limits on God. In, in just a little while, the coming one will come and not delay, and my righteous one who will live by, what's the magic word again? Faith. Hang in there for a little while. And then we continue with First Kings in the story. It says, meanwhile, the sky grew black with clouds. The wind rose. A heavy rain came on Ahab, and he rode off into Jezreel. And the power of the Lord came upon Elijah, and he tucked his cloak into his belt, and he ran ahead of Ahab all the way to Jezreel. Now, how many know it's impossible to outrun the Spirit? Terry probably had two to six horses for him, running full speed, Ahab just going down. Can you imagine what Ahab thought? All of a sudden, he looks down, and here's a man running by him. Well, I didn't know Elijah was Speedy Gonzalez. But God always does it bigger and better than you ever thought. And just when you're looking for a cloud, and just when you think he's not coming, all of a sudden, you're running faster than you've ever ran in your life. All of a sudden, all of a sudden, all your enemies around you are watching you just pass them up. Because God is with you. God did such a miracle that it went beyond. He always does more than we expect. He always does better than what we can even think or perceive. All I saw was Ethan's injury. I didn't see that that injury would pay for his college. Sitting in a bank account right now, growing interest. College is paid for. I didn't see a testimony that he'd have one day when that arm's more powerful than anybody else's arm. I still believe that he's going to do some stuff with that arm, but they're going to say it's impossible for a human being to do with that arm. That's where my faith is. That's where my faith is. Faith always goes from a small beginning to a grand finale. But the two words I want you to see there is small beginning. One thing you got to know about God is he's a, he's a journey person. And you have to enjoy the journey. See, there's two kinds of people in this world. There's journey people and there's destination people. There's those that don't like the journey. They don't like the car ride to Disney World. They just want to be at their destination. They just want to get there. But there's a journey that has to happen 
to get you to where God needs you to be. And that journey just doesn't, poof, happen. It has to take place. And you've got to know that, that God is a journey person. Let's see, worship. Makes me think of that song. Don't stop believing. Anyway, he's a journey person. Zechariah 4.10 says, do not despise these small beginnings. It starts with small beginnings. It's, it's the beginning. For the Lord rejoices to see the work, what? Begin. doesn't say he rejoices to see it in. He rejoices to see the work begin in you. He's got some stuff he wants to start in you. And it always doesn't start right here. It always doesn't start right here. Most of the time it starts in here and in here. This is where the real journey starts. Don't despise small beginnings. 2 Corinthians 12, 8. Paul has an issue. He has a thorn in his side. And uh, it doesn't say what it is. It doesn't say what his issue is. But, but, but this is what Paul says about it. Three different times I begged the Lord to take it away. And each time the Lord said, my grace is all you need. My power works best in weakness. This is a word for somebody here today. My power works best in weakness. And so Paul said, God, if that's the way you work, so now I'm going to be glad to boast about my weaknesses so that the power of Christ can work through me. Paul said, so I'm ready to take this faith journey. I'm going to brag about my weaknesses because, God, when I am weak, you are made strong. When it looks like nothing's going my way, you'll make a way. That's what God does. We've got to realize there's a point to the process, and the process is the point. I've got a great friend who um, me and Jennifer got to witness them coming to our church and getting saved being set free and training them in children's ministry to work with children. And she got diagnosed three years ago that she was going to die. And uh, I have Pastor Brandon interviewing her on the screen today. He did his interview a couple months ago, and I want to show it today. Turn it up. I'm going to say PAH for short because it's really long. PAH. PAH. Okay. And it's a rare terminal disease that doesn't have a cure. It doesn't have a surgery. Uh, there's treatments that they can do to increase life expectancy, but the life expectancy, when I was told that I had it, was only three to five years, and that was if you did your treatment perfectly. And that was two years ago, right? Yes. About two years ago. So I want you to grasp this. Two years ago, she's told that she has three to five years to live, five if she does all of the treatments, uh, because of that long word you just said. Right. Three to five years, you're two years into it. That means you have one to three years left to live. Right. Uh, Ed, tell me about, you, you know, your family a little bit. What kind of, as a husband and a father, what's that meant to you? Well, you know, all my family lives in Colorado, so I've got my wife over here. The doctors literally told her that she needs to go ahead and start planning her funeral. Wow. 
all my family lives in Colorado, so it's like I'm trying to figure out how am I going to take care of my family, how am I going to take care of my kids, how am I going to, you know, make everything work. She's over here kind of making me laugh a little bit because she's like, at my funeral, you better have Pastor Rand and, you know, he needs to do a sermon. I want people saved at my funeral, you know. <laughs> so... <laughs> But, you know, as a husband, it's like, I can't accept that. I just, I just, I'm, I'm not willing to listen to it. I'm not willing to talk about it. And she's like, baby, I know you don't want to talk about this, but blah, 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 blah. You know, and I'm like, okay, well, I got to listen to it. I got to give her the attention that she deserves, you know, the honor where honor's due. And uh, it was, it was just being torn uh, between all kinds of different things, not including general life, right? Uh, work and everything else. So because life is still going on. Yes. And you have. Uh, t- tell me the, the ages of your kids when you found Fifth Out. Uh, Jaden was nine and Kira was ten. And so, how do you tell a nine and ten year old that their mama only has a couple years to live? It's uh, not something that anybody. I, w- I hope that nobody ever has to go through that. And this is what you you've been living for two years. Tell me. So he is trying not to be but he's in denial mm-hmm. not wanting to talk about it you guys are very private people thank you for coming up here today <laughs> and i know that you're very private people but tell me what you're going through what you're feeling as you're hearing the doctors and you realize this is terminal and there is no cure there is no there's nothing they can do it was it was an emotional roller coaster because i thought you know i have to be strong because I, I you know i don't want my family to be afraid of being without me i want them to live their life and still you know fulfill the plan that god has for them and so there was a lot of crying in the car when <laughs> nobody was around and right. trying to be strong and just talk about it like it was a normal thing but it was scary uh, just the thought of it was it was terrifying but then i thought you know it's the biggest thing is you know i know be with the lord the biggest thing is you know what's going to be left of my family and you know, what are they going to go through? And I just, just the thought of that made me, you know. Now, my understanding is from you that uh, you didn't really even want to see your specialist because they couldn't help you. So there was no sense in going through all the processes and the, the surgeries and the things that they could do, the procedures. And so you didn't want to do that. Is that correct? Yeah, I kind of felt like at times I was also feeling like I'm a bad Christian. I don't have faith. I don't have hope because I've accepted it. I'm making funeral plans. And then my faith, you know, my faith's good, strong. And then, you know, I also didn't want to go through, you know, they said you're stage three, the treatment is difficult, things like that. And so it was like, you know, I just kind of, you know, accepted it, but not accepted. It was <laughs> back and forth. I, I, can, I can't even imagine. And so, Ed, did you finally make her say we're going to go do the procedures and stuff? Or, or what? Yeah. Well, actually, uh, with all that going on, God, the Lord gave, gave her the courage to do more research. And with her doing more research, we found out that uh, UT Southwestern in Dallas specializes in the field of PAH. And um, she brought it up to me, and I was like, babe, we've got to do that, you know. And she tried to get referrals from our doctors here, couldn't get it done. So we ended up calling our insurance company directly, and we just went out on a limb and did it ourselves. Right. So now let's back up. This summer... You went to church kid camp right. again to help <laughs> take all of our wild children <laughs> to kids camp. And while you're there, tell me what happened. Well, 
kids camp is phenomenal. There's a lot of praying. The presence of God is just so strong, and it's really good, just as good for the adults as it is for the kids. And in one of the services, uh, Pastor Brandon said that he felt like the Lord told him that uh, he was going to heal me. And I got, you know, Eddie told me that, and Pastor Crystal told me, and I was like, yeah, I received that. That's awesome. Mm-hmm. But still, there was in the back of my mind, like, I still need to, you know, have things planned out just in case. <laughs> but, yeah. um so I'd like to pay a picture real quick. Okay. Okay. Here we are serving in church, coming to, to Beaumont Tribe, being in the sermons, doing this, going to children's church camp, doing all this kind of stuff with all this going on. There comes a point in time where you just have so much emotional stuff going on that you become somewhat disconnected. You're not sure what's going on. You're not sure what God's doing. You're not sure what you're supposed to do how you're supposed to get everything worked out. So, you know, for me, at church camp, I was at that state where I was somewhat disconnected, okay? I was still interacting and doing everything like I would normally do because we're making an impact in our children's lives. But me emotionally, personally, I was disconnected until Pastor Brandon came up and said, hey, the Lord just told me that your wife is here. And that was just a relief. So that was... Uh, earlier this summer, you go in on Friday to Dallas to get a procedure done. What are they supposed to be doing in this procedure? Okay, so this this was uh, six or seven tests later. I did several tests, and this was after the heart doctors, the lung doctors, and everybody you know said the same thing. Well, this particular test is called a right heart catheterization, and they go in your neck, and they stick a lot of tubes down in there, and it's kind of scary, but they go inside your heart, and they measure the pressures, and... Uh, just test everything right and this is the the last final test like there's no other test that you can do this is it yeah this is it so after this it's just going through the process walking out the road and either god heals you or we're headed for a funeral right correct okay so on friday morning we're praying with our staff and we're praying for god to do great miracles in in the lives of our, our church people and while they're praying, God drops your face in Pastor Lindsay's heart. So she immediately picks up the phone. We didn't know. Now, to be clear, we did not know y'all we were there. We didn't tell anybody. We, nobody well, knew we were there for the most like part. Jamie, your fault. Okay. <laughs> well, people, Jamie we didn't tell is Pastor. lucky. We're not lucky enough to have known. <laughs> <laughs> and so uh, Lindsay starts texting, and you say, I can't text right now. So she finally calls, and Ed, you answer the phone. Tell right. me what y'all were doing when you answered the phone. We were actually at the hospital getting her registered to do the procedure. So, so they're checking in to do the procedure. God drops uh, Crystal on Lindsay's heart. She calls. They're checking in. They pray? Y'all prayed? Yeah, they were praying on the phone, and the lady was registering me. <laughs> so we're praying. So she bows her head, we bow our head. Yes. <laughs> you go into the surgery. You come out. You're facing one to three years left, terminal disease, what happens? They basically are dumbfounded. Like, they're looking at me like, um, you're, you don't have this. The, everything was perfectly fine. The, the, the pressures were perfect and you can stop your treatment. I I want to make sure you hear that. You do not. 
cannot find any trace. She's been going through this battle for two and a half years. Uh, nobody knew she was going through the battle except for our pastors and our staff uh, at our, uh, our, all of our campuses. Uh, this happened during our 21 days of prayer that we were doing. Uh, she was at the hospital. They went in and said, no more. The fight is over. But there was a process. It didn't happen instantly. It wasn't just an instant kind of thing where it just happened. It was all the points of looking at your little girls in the eyes for 9 and 10. Saying, Mama might not be here. There's a process of waking up every morning knowing that it could be your last day. Because they told her she could have two to three, four years if she was lucky. Two years already gone by. And we're all praying for her. We're praying with Ed. And Ed's calling us and we're talking to him and praying with him. And believing with him because he don't know how he's going to raise two girls by himself as a single father. But, but there's a process. And sometimes God takes us on a faith journey. And, and there's a, we wonder, why, why do we go through this, God? Why are we doing this? And there's, there's a point to the process. And the process is the test. You might say, well, Pastor, how come God doesn't heal everyone? Well, I have an answer for that. I don't know. I don't know. He doesn't. But all I know is I still trust Him. And either way, whether they're healed or not, they're healed. Whether they're healed in heaven. And God knows where they need to be and when they need to be there. I don't. There's a process to the point. But I know that God wants to do a new work in you today. If you'll let Him. If you're believing God for a miracle in your life today. I want to believe with you. I'm going to ask everybody to stand with me as we close today. Last week we talked about how worship breaks down walls. How worship changes things. Our prayer partners are coming as I speak. Today, if you, if you need God to do something in your life, as they're singing this last song as we close out today, I'm believing that God is able and willing to do above and beyond your wildest dreams. That's the God I serve. He's a good God, a great God. You may say, well, I've been going through the process. Well, you know what? Today might be your day to end the process. Today might be your day that God takes over and does that supernatural miracle in your life. Maybe you say, well, I don't know this God, Pastor. I want to know Him. Today, we want you to know Him as well. Bow your heads as we pray and close. If you need Jesus in your life today, these altars are open. Make your way down here and let him touch you. Let him heal you and let him change you. Father, I thank you for this service today. As we close in worship today, Father, bless them in this city as they go. Bless them everywhere that they go, Father. May, may healing virtue run through their veins, Father. May everyone they come into contact with be healed, Father. May you give them faith and purpose to go along with the process. In your name we pray.